0: Before we begin, a disclaimer. This podcast is for information only. I am not a mental health or medical professional, nor are my guests unless otherwise stated. My guests and I do not speak for or represent any recovery programs or workshops. I do not sell ads on this podcast, and I do not make any money from it. And finally, I want to warn you that some episodes may contain content about emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, which some listeners may find triggering or dysregulating. Hello, and welcome to the Loving Parent Podcast. If you're new here, this is where we explore the ideas of becoming our own loving parents and reparenting our trauma to build resilience. If you've been here before, welcome back. My name is Brita, and I'm your host. All right, everyone. Welcome back to this interview with Mark. Mark, welcome back to the podcast for part two. Thank you. All right. I was thinking about when you left home originally, and I guess that was to go to college, right?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. My my freshman year, I lived with my aunt and uncle Mm -hmm. uh, that we discussed last time. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say when I left home, because I don't know when I really had a home. (laughs) Well, that
0: was going to be my next question. When do you think you really made a home and felt somewhat settled?
1: Um, Or have you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm still working on that. Right. Uh, I guess the first home, after baseball was done, was roommates with a guy for a while. And then I hooked up with somebody from my high school one night, and we just started seeing each other. She was she was a lot of fun. She was kind of like hanging out with one of the guys. She was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And of course I was still drinking. I was drinking a lot and partying a lot. So we had a lot of fun. And then uh, one night we had too much ouzo, and I said, Well, we should get married. <laughs> and so we did. <laughs> okay. Now is this the
0: young woman you were talking about from high school?
1: No. no okay. No. All
0: right. That comes later. We'll we'll that check in with later. that later.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I guess, you know, that was the first time ever really trying to live with someone and have a relationship and make a home. And she got pregnant like two months after we were married. So mm. went from being on my own, doing what I want to within a year. Oh, I'm responsible for uh, a little one, too. And hey, mm-hmm. oh, okay. let's try to figure this out. How did your family
0: life help you or hinder you, your, your young family life, um, when you were a kid, help or hinder you in your adult family building?
1: Well, I figured, I mean, I didn't have any skills. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't have any skills at all about what, you know, it was just trying to go to work, make enough money. You know, money was always an issue. She wasn't, um, she She didn't work after the baby. Yeah. And, It was like, that was part of our. I was like, we don't have enough money. You need to work. Oh, no. no, no. So, right. I mean, had no skill set of working together. Right. Communicating,
0: all those things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, things were going bad. So, what did we do? We had another child. Of course, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) that'll fix it. And that didn't fix it. So, then we moved from from California to Texas you know the mm. funny thing is when we unpacked all the boxes from the u-haul evidently we, we packed up all of our problems uh-huh <laughs> we still <laughs> had problems there
0: i was like Where were yes. we were supposed to move away from all of this <laughs> i know in my second marriage we moved 19 times in 12 years
1: uh, yeah I- because
0: when we were moving we pulled together and yeah. we did kind of communicate and we felt like we had a common goal. And as soon as we got settled in the new place, we were back to the old patterns of sniping at each other and just almost contempt for one yeah. another.
1: Yeah. It is. Yeah. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even venture to try to guess how many times I've moved in my life.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a good inventory, Mark.
1: <laughs> oh man. I, yeah. Yeah. Be interesting. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So how were you with parenting your kids? Um,
1: Early on, I was good. From what I remember, it was a long time ago. They're Mm -hmm. they're old and have their own kids now. But, um, you know, we just, I was just working and then, you know, we'd go, still wanted to go party on the weekends and stuff. So it just, it wasn't, wasn't a real good deal, but I think I was okay when they were young.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how did patterns develop in the way you related to women and to family? Could you see yourself kind of doing the same thing over and over again after a while?
1: Uh, Not while I was doing it. I didn't really realize it until I started getting some, some help and clarity through through adult children and all. And that's when I, the, the layers started coming off and the okay. scales came off my eyes and going, yeah. Oh my goodness, this all makes sense. <laughs> right. So what brought you to recovery? Um, the, the first time I had any recovery was my second wife. When she, uh, she became a drug addict and mm. ended up going to jail um, from calling in her own prescriptions and all. And so through that chaos and turmoil in my life, I, I, I found a, a family recovery deal. So that was my first okay. recovery. And that that really helped when I was in the midst of the turmoil. But right. then when the turmoil when she was gone out of my life, kind of drifted away from that because I didn't have the, the, the immediacy and all. Or, right. And then... then um, I, I did again in my fourth marriage, which was the uh, the girl that I mentioned from high school. Oh, okay. That it came back into my life, and uh, you know, of course, when all these things is, it's a God thing, Guess right? This, oh, yeah. You know? It's those those prayers, you know, coming to life and we're going to live happily ever after. Well, you know, that that was not the case because she ended up being a not only a a raging alcoholic, but I knew she had some alcohol problems, but I didn't realize the extent that she was actually very abusive. And I had to call the police several times on her for uh, abusing me. Wow. And through that time, that's you know I went back to the, that same family recovery, which was great to help me to get some clarity and kind of get away from the the chaos uh, in there. Um, but that when she was gone out of my life again, then I kind of drifted away from that because it was like okay, that was that was great during the turmoil, but I didn't see anything to hold on to right long, long term, and I'm definitely did not see realize my own patterns because i was still at that point pointing my finger at mm-hmm. everybody else it was everybody else's problems right yeah uh, you know, not me yeah you just you learned had to learn
0: how to deal with their problems that's all
1: yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> never me it was everybody else right because uh, i never made a conscious choice on any of these i just kind of reacted and gone through it there yeah and i re- started to, to get some healing and find find healing. I was actually in LA. I'd gone to LA to pursue acting for a while and I and I was writing a one man play um, about my life and my love life. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about and I was writing about those times and this program. And I go, yeah, you know, that was pretty good. That was maybe that would be good because up in LA I was really you know, depressed and by myself a lot. So mm-hmm. But I need to get that, and so I found that program, and then, which which was nice, met some people. But somebody had mentioned another family therapy group, and was, adult adult children mm-hmm. um, deal, and I was like, wow, that sounds interesting. And so I went. Remember going to that, and when I went to that, and and they did their readings, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I'm home.
0: <laughs> but- <laughs> I was like.
1: I, I always knew I was screwed up. I just didn't know I was part of a group. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So, how, how did you feel when you first heard
1: or read the laundry list? Oh, it was it was mind blowing. It was mm-hmm. just wow. Oh, because I, you know, it brought the it put on pen and paper things that I couldn't even think of myself, but I felt. Yeah, and I saw it. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not by myself. I'm not unique. I'm not. You know, a, an alien amongst these humans. There's mm-hmm. other people that hurt like I do. Yeah, and so yeah, that's that's that started me on the road of you know. I just I remember going for for months. I was still up in L.A. and I'd just go to the meetings and listen. I wouldn't talk. You know, I would just listen, just listen. But I kept coming back. They say, keep coming back, so I kept coming mm-hmm. back. It wasn't until I moved down uh, back down to San Diego and got involved down there that I really. Yeah, you know, really started to to flourish and get some healing, mm-hmm. and I found a found a good sponsor to work with me. Yeah, um, it was funny when I was up in L.A. Uh, you know, I, saw, I asked somebody to be my sponsor, and he said, "Man, you know, I'm I'm sorry, I just I have too many right now. I can't do it." But you know, mm-hmm. you can call me. And I remember taking that personally, that I wasn't good enough to even get a sponsor.
0: <laughs> you know? Right. Well, I mean, that's where low self-esteem takes us.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it was, you know, when it, after after a while, after I thought about it, I go, wow, that was really a healthy response of that. Uh-huh. Guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember one night, Richard and I, it
0: was one of our first dates and I had forgotten my keys. So when we got home, I was you know, going to unlock the door. And the babysitter was in there with the kids. And I knocked on the door and she didn't hear me. And I said, oh, wow, this is really embarrassing. And he said, I'll bet it is. And I just <laughs> wanted to hit him. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> You're not going to fix me and, and say, oh, honey, I'll I'll figure this out. You know, you go sit in the car. No, he just validated my feelings. And it took me a while to realize, oh, my gosh, that was a healthy response.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny when the, it comes to light and you start, yeah. start seeing things differently.
0: So, what patterns did you identify
1: at first? Well, I, the, the, it made so much sense now of of going from damaged woman to damaged woman, trying to to heal that wound. I didn't realize that the wound that that I had from my mom of you know after the divorce, it was kind of like she just was she was always there but she wasn't there, and she went mm-hmm. from her, to relationship, and she was she had her own issues that she, you know, she never got therapy from it, but she was dealing with it from there. And so, you know, I just always felt kind of, you know, I guess cast aside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, you know, I was trying to heal that wound through these other other women. And, you know, if I can help them, uh, then, then they'll love me forever. Type right. Yeah. Maybe I can do
0: for them what I
1: couldn't do for my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Which was never a a conscious thought. It was just kind of the, I don't know if they call it (laughs) Prince Charming (laughs) syndrome.
0: (laughs) Yes. I went through that too. And I was really pissed in recovery that there wasn't going to be one. (laughs) I thought, man, I did all this work on all these guys and nobody's going to come rescue me. That's not fair. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah yep. uh, yeah it's it's you know life isn't fair and i guess the one of the things that the recovery taught me is that you know it's it's, it's not fair but it's it, it can be good yeah and, and it's um you know, it's up to me to do the therapy i guess the thing was it's okay to name the truth of what happened and how mm-hmm. it affected me and my truth is different than my sisters and my brothers. You know that right. my tr- is my truth, and and I didn't have to blame anybody. I didn't have to blame my mom or dad or anything else. You know, by stating the truth is just the truth. It's not blaming, but then owning. Okay, yes, that happened, and but this is how I can respond. You know that. Right. If, One, when we talk about powerlessness, I thought about that for for months, you know, was that, and then it kind of hit me of what it was. And even though accepting powerlessness, but I still had a choice. Yeah. And and the, the choice was my attitude and my response that, you know, I could think about it and try to come up with a healthy way rather than the old, well, it's just the way I do it. (laughs) <laughs>
0: right. And I think there are many people who do that in recovery. They just go, well, that's what I am. I'm an alcoholic and this is how I act. Or yeah. I'm an adult child and I'm just going to continue being one. So get used to it.
1: Yeah. I I, I didn't want to. I don't want to do that. I'm yeah. Continue those patterns.
0: Right. I mean, to me, the powerlessness was powerless over what my childhood had influenced me to do prior to getting to recovery and after i got to recovery then i'm responsible for everything after that i can't blame anything on my childhood
1: it's my job to figure this out as you said yeah for sure and then uh, i had another thought but we'll have to maybe circle back to it. (laughs) (laughs) it's like when you lose your train of thought you're like okay that's that's another train will come by (laughs) right
0: so, did you blame yourself for some of the mistakes in your past when you first got to recovery?
1: Yeah, I did. Did blame myself, and you know, when I looked at those patterns, like, oh, I've been married four times, married and divorced four times, you know, about this, that, you know, all the turmoil or anything else. But then, once through, through working the steps with my sponsor and and understanding more what's going on there, I, I went from blaming to acceptance and, mm-hmm. and got to a point of of accepting myself and loving myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And with that had to come with I accept every single thing that's ever happened, every decision, good, bad, or whatever. I accept mm-hmm. it all because all of it has made me who I am today. And right. I happen like who I am today and love who I am today. So any, you know, you change any one of those equations and, right. and, it, and it's different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you make amends to yourself?
1: Yeah, that was my first amends was was to myself oh, right. yeah, to, you know, really feeling that, you know, I, I need to, to accept myself and, and apologize to myself, but then, you know, forgive myself too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was the, that was the first one. Yeah. Did
0: you ever get to talk with your parents about any of this? Were they still alive when you got into recovery?
1: No, my dad passed away. He was uh, 54 when he oh, died. My. died from the effects of his alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my mom had passed uh, 11, 12 years ago now. So no, I yeah. never never got to talk to them about it. Yeah.
0: I don't know what I'd say. Well... Yeah, I mean sometimes it, there's not much to say or it's really hard and who wants to stir up a bunch of, you know, wasps. <laughs> but did you get to talk with your siblings? Um
1: yes. You know, I've had some good conversations with with my sister and and tried to with my with my brother, but he's he can be a little bit difficult to to talk to. Um mm-hmm. But I, enough, so yes, that I, I've said my piece and you know come come full circle and acceptance with them. Yeah. I have, have a great relationship with my sister; she's actually my best friend. Oh, um, cool! Which growing up, you wouldn't have thought so because we we fought like cats and dogs. Right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So,
1: Mark, what are your favorite tools of recovery? The the favorite tools just the you know the daily readings. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got to start my my morning off little daily reading, and you know just a a few minutes of quiet time to just love on myself and put myself up. Uh, the 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 twelve steps were, were remarkable you know spend the time with my my sponsor he was just you know very listening and warm and and gentle and guiding and he has a mm-hmm. unique way of uh, saying so much with so little words <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes i can understand that were there any favorite authors that you read that were particularly insightful for you
1: um, none that can come come to mind. You know the 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 text for this for the adult children. Yeah, the fellowship uh, text, huh? Yeah, you know, the fellowship text was was you know I've read it cover to cover several times and just like wow, you know it's full of highlights now.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but that was that was great. I mean to to just go through that and soak that up and. Mm-hmm. and so there's just so much healing in that that I think one part says, you know how could you how could you have possibly done anything differently? You right. were You were brought up and programmed to do it the, exactly the way, so right. like, yeah, wow, okay, how could I have not? So it kind of yeah. helped with that blaming myself. It was mm-hmm. like, how could I have not?
0: Yeah, I know uh, I realized one day I was trained to be like this. I was told you have to take care of other people first. If you take care of yourself, you're selfish.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so I was trained to be a caretaker and to drink and all the other things that I did. Yeah.
1: Um, So, so yeah, the the text and just showing up and hearing other people's stories were just, you know, and seeing the transformations. If you, you know, keep going Mm -hmm. and keep going and to see, People that when they first show up, they're just broken and lost and look Mm as, you know, like I did, you know, and then you see them six months, a year later, and they're flourishing and they're like, wow, okay, there's there's healing in these walls. Right. yeah. You know, once I stop and stop pointing the finger at everybody else and saying, you know, I'm, I'm the common denominator of every mm-hmm. single relationship in my life. And unless I get some healing for me, um, that equation is going to be the same. So, yeah. I do believe I've got some healing. So, hopefully, you know, someday, a new relationship will, will be different. Uh huh. I, I think I have a better chance at it. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah.
0: I remember when we talked last time, you mentioned anxiety several times. And my guess is you carried that anxiety with you to adulthood. So how is that for you now that you've been in recovery for a while?
1: You know, I I don't feel quite as anxious. You know, I still still have fear. You know, I guess I've grown up whole life just with this fear that it's all going to come crumbling down that you know and but I'm able to see it more now mm-hmm. you know I mean I still have that that gut that instinct of fear but I'm like oh there it is <laughs> right yeah and and I don't whereas before I would just be on autopilot and do whatever now it's like oh okay there it is and yeah that that's not real I don't uh-huh. need, to, I don't need to, you know, everything's not going to come crashing down. I'm not right. going to be, I'm not going to be destitute. I'm not going to be living under that bridge. That's you right. Know, that, probably that, not. Yeah, probably not. That's probably not going to happen. So I don't have to go down there and let my mind go down there any longer. You know, I can kind of talk myself back into uh, normalcy, whatever that right. may be. <laughs>
0: yeah. Off the ledge
1: anyway. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, and it it gives me so much more energy for the things I want to do if I don't have to spend it all with the fears. those yeah. fears take a lot of energy.
1: Oh yeah, they they, they sap you. And they, you know, but yeah, when I don't have to go down those rabbit holes, for sure, then I'm yeah more able to be fully fully engaged in wherever I'm at.
0: Right now, I know you mentioned you have children, mm-hmm. so. How have you done with them, and do you see any of the dysfunction rolling downhill to them, and have you been able to share any of your recovery with them?
1: Uh, yes and no. I mean with my my son, I haven't had a, any discussion with him in like eleven years. Mm-hmm. he's got He's got a son, my grandson, I've never met him. Um, from what I hear, uh, my son has got his own challenges. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got anger issues. He's got PTSD. He's got some alcohol issues and all that. Um, right. But it, but it sounds like he's, he's at the point where he's, he's still pointing his finger at everybody else. Right. Uh, so I just like, okay, you know, keep praying for him and hope that mm-hmm. one day he finds that healing. Um, I was able to reconnect with my daughter several years ago. You know, it's funny when the, when I was going through the amends portion of the recovery of the 12 steps and when it got to the kids, I was just told my sponsor, like, I just, I just don't have it in me, you know, to, to try <laughs> yeah. and get, you know, it, it just hurts. Yeah. And so I just ended up, you know, with him, we just decided I'd just write him each a letter, mm-hmm. put it in an envelope, go put it in a mailbox, but there was no address on it. Right. So sending it off to Santa Claus, but I got it right. out from me. And then uh, a couple months later, I just felt a uh, stirring that I was time to do more. And I told him, I said, I feel like I do more. And he goes, well, it's time to do more of that. I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was a, you know, a, a beautiful reunion. We ended up, um, you know, I sent him, sent, her, sent him both a text, a group text. And my son came back with who is this dad I don't have a dad and I knew it was just going to be more of his toxic stuff right. behind so I just deleted it I didn't read the rest I was like I don't need to bring that into my spirit yeah but my my daughter she like yeah my you know she responded not in a group text stating that she no longer had a relationship with her brother either and so mm. we started talking and texting a little bit and I was still doing some acting stuff so had this audition notice. They were looking for fathers and daughters. And I remember that. That was so cool. Yeah, and so you know, I reached out to them, told them our story, and they were like, "Well, we'd be interested in talking." And I'm like as long as this isn't like Jerry Springer or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just started just talking to my daughter. Right, some
0: I'm, surprise that person's going to jump out of the backstage area.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so but it ended up being a beautiful thing. We were one of uh, six fathers and daughters for this for this Netflix mm-hmm. project, and um, they flew her out from Texas first class, had a driver for, her, put up her oh, hotel, wow. and then they reunited us on that on a Hollywood set. Oh, and, uh, you know, I was I was a blubbering mess, but <laughs> it it was great. She got. Come down, spend the weekend with us. She got reunited with my daughter with my sister. Yeah and, the family. and then a couple months later she brought her family out. So I got to see my grandkids again and oh take them to Disneyland and spoil them. And yeah, oh my we've been, goodness. <laughs> we've been we've been doing real well. Um still, you know, they were just just up for the holidays. So we're we're doing well and And, you know, she's, I've been able to talk to her about my recovery and kind of let her know, you know, and and she's supportive of of it. And she realizes the dysfunction aspect, but she's, she's really, really become a great mom. Yeah. I don't know how you did it, but, you know, keep it up. (laughs) Right.
0: In spite of.
1: Yeah. So I don't think she's got any um, programs that she's doing other than she's, she's, she's aware of it. But, um, you know, she does call me up and talk to me. And also, I'm just thankful and blessed that, you know, I get to be in in her life and in my grandkids' lives. Right. I owe it all to recovery.
0: Absolutely. It's the single greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And I've been at this for over 35 years now in various programs. And I just can't even imagine the people that I would have hurt and the damage I would have done if I hadn't found this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, first and foremost to myself, I didn't realize how much hurt I was doing to myself mm-hmm. through all this. But yeah, there's definitely a wake <laughs> of disasters behind uh, um, that. Sure, you know, sure there still is, but the wake is much smaller now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not as bumpy.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: Okay. Well, that's all I have, Mark. Is there anything you'd like to add?
1: No, just you know, so thankful for um, finally coming to grips and finding this, and doing the work, and and, and learning to love myself, and and learning to um, try to be a good good parent to myself, a better person. Right. But well, is I really that you're appreciate. <laughs> show up to the doors, go through it, and uh, it's well worth the work.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Well, it's been a real honor and pleasure to have you on the podcast and to hear your story and all the things that you've learned about yourself and your recovery. So thank you so much, Mark, for being with us.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: Thanks for joining me for this episode. It was produced by me, Brita Firm, and edited by Vaughn David. Our music is by Emmanuel Wild. If you like what you heard, please leave a positive review and tell a friend. Also, tap subscribe and notifications so you won't miss a single episode. Remember, as you walk your reparenting path, you can take your time. You deserve all the love you want, and my love goes with you.